Hey, Abby. Hi. You are. You good? Uh huh. You're not reacting to my flirting. That was flirting. <sighs> Sabi Hagen, comedian and lover. <laughs> and I'm Abby Wamba, and no. <laughs> this is Help Hole, where we read self-improvement books and tell you and each other about them. Yeah, we really like the idea of bettering ourselves. Sophie, yeah. why, why do you try to better yourself? To make my dad come back? Oh, nice. And I do it so that I'm a better parent than your dad. <laughs> Uh, the bar's low. The bar's on the floor. Um, do you live with your kids? Uh, you've already passed. You yeah! passed the bar. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about the book Flirtology by Jean Smith. Abby, I'm going to need your best pickup line. Go. Uh, okay. Um, what's your favorite thing about me? <laughs> that's, you, so you, that's really smart. So you're making them do the pickup line? Yeah. So if they're like, your eyes... I'd be like, which one specifically? <laughs> Would you not be super freaked They're out if the other person is? <laughs> they are different sizes. Well, like especially when I smile. If I'm tired, it gets accentuated. There's a word for it. <laughs> I know. I have the confidence of a much more symmetrical person. I know. It's cloaked well. Anyway, if they said that, I like that your eyes are different sizes. I would probably go home with them. Well, that's the first tip we have of this book. <laughs> the first very useful piece of information. So, I don't consider myself a person who would read a book called Flatology, right? That, I don't think that was ever in the cards for me as a person. But I've recently written a book, no big deal, uh, called uh, Will I Ever Have Sex Again? And it's out in May, May of 2024, pre-order now. But for we that will, book, we will be reading it on this podcast. We will definitely be reading it on this podcast. But when I was writing my book, I interviewed someone who kept referring to the author's work, and I was like, and and it was it's a friend of mine called Miranda Kane, who's a plus size events coordinator. So she runs all these like uh, nightclubs for fat people, and she kept talking. She's so confident and like extroverted, and I was trying to ask her how. How do you? How are you so confident? <laughs> how, how do you just talk to people? And she said that she'd learned a lot from Jean Smith. So I thought, okay, I guess that's a sign that I need to speak to Jean Smith. So I interviewed Jean for the book, then read her book. Yeah, I wouldn't usually have read it, but I think there's some really good stuff in it. So uh, Jean Smith is a social and cultural anthropologist and a social intelligence coach. So she's Ooh. a flirting and dating coach. Ooh. And the book's full title is Flirtology, Stop Swiping, Start Talking and Find Love. And it was written in uh, 2018. So what is flirtology? Now, the sort of gist of the book is that flirting is uh, learned behavior. So you can learn how to flirt well. It's not just like something you're born with. And uh, flirtology means the study of flirting. Ooh. And it is is there a real, it's on... a real thing? Gene Smith came up with it. So okay. it is a real thing because Gene Smith came up with it. Got it. Yes. And it's about the science of flirting and the art of interacting. The subtitle says it all, right? Stop swiping, start talking, and find love. It's about, <laughs> it's about the, the flirting, but it's also a lot about dating. And then it's a lot about how Gene Smith hates the internet <laughs> oh great i also hate <laughs> the internet gene this is, is i'm gonna love this it book. is a huge part of the book without necessarily having a lot to do with dating and flirting oh great uh, i'm gonna focus the most on the flirting bit because i don't know about you well i do know about you but not really i <laughs> <laughs> you're in a relationship i'm not but i don't need to be i don't okay. want to be i'm not looking i'm not I'm not dating. That side of the book, I'm not just not that interested in. Whereas the flirting bit is what I find fascinating. I assume you're not looking. <laughs> I'm not currently looking, although I, I love to flirt. When you say you're not interested in that side of it, it means are you like just interested in flirting for flirting's sake? You're not interested in flirting for dating's sake. Are you interested in flirting for f fucking sake? <laughs> for, fucking, for fucking sake I don't think it's flirting it's more like when I do flirt 
And when I then realize I'm flirting, I like it. I think it's very fun. But I think my main issue is that I don't see myself as someone who flirts. Yeah. Even though I have done it. <laughs> yeah. And I like the idea of being able to do it because I usually panic in those situations. The dating aspect, I just think it's, I think it's important to say like who this book is for. Yeah. Because like she makes it clear that it's for women and men. But that's sort of it. It's for women and men. You know, like it is very straight, mm-hmm. very hetero. Uh, it doesn't mention queerness, transness. And it also seems to be geared towards like extroverted people, which is a lot why I'm, I feel like it's so not to do with me. Like I feel like quite distant from that bit. So there's a lot of like, you know, oh, for this is mainly for, you know, women going out on the town to find Mr. Right. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's like that kind of speak, which is not really me, but there's still lots and lots and lots in the book, I think, that we can find really helpful, even though that's not necessarily us, which I think is like the whole point of this podcast, isn't it? That it's like, we're just here for the good stuff. We're just here, we're for, just the good here stuff. for the good stuff. So what, tell me more about you and you and flirting, Abby. Well, I think that the word flirting feels really like effeminate in a way that I or like when I hear the word flirting I'm like now as a adult in my 30s who's been married for 12 years I'm like yeah love to flirt love it no problem but I think when I was doing the most active flirting that word would have kind of given me the like heebie-jeebies I think like the word that I would associate with is like banter I'm like banterous a quick banterer and so and that often has in gotten me laid And I think that then after the fact, I can see that that was flirting, but it's not like when I have, when I think of the word flirt, I think of like batting your eyelashes or like, I don't know, something like the way that you sit and like being coy and I'm not coy, but I am certainly flirtatious in that it's like, I can be very teasy and I'm definitely like trying to get to the fun part of the conversation and move things along, which I think are I think our qualities of flirting. I don't know. I'm excited to find out what flirting is. I don't know. Well, I don't think we necessarily will get the answer because this book came out in 2018 and I interviewed Jean at the end of 2023. And my first question to her was, what is flirting? And even then she was like, oh, like she's studied flirting in all over the world. She's lived in so many places all over the world. And she has studied this and taught this for so long. And she was still like, God, how do you even define it? Because, yeah, there's like banter is an aspect of it, but you can banter with friends in a platonic way. And that's like what makes it flirting, you know? Historically, when I've been like, I am now going to flirt with this man, (laughs) I have then made myself more feminine than I feel comfortable with. Uh uh But uh if I've been like, I need to flirt with this woman, I've been like, hey, hey, love. (laughs) Like I've like butched up, like manned up almost to be like hey 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 love you I'm gonna buy you a drink like it's almost like I've been putting on these masks of like this is probably what I should be doing right now yeah but then I tried flirting with a a fellow non-binary person and it was so different because I was like Uh, flirting as me I was like oh but I still can't put a finger on what it is yeah it's the easiest to point out when it's behind you when you're like oh that that was flirting because now we have gone beyond flirting and like that must have been it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because what Jean said was she wanted to say, like, oh, it's with intent. It's because you want to. But then again, oh, you can also flirt yeah. without intent. You can flirt just because it's nice. Yeah. So it's sort of like making someone feel good, but not in a way you would with a friend. It's it's kind of hard to define. Interesting. Um, okay. What she needs to, and she does, spend a lot of time on is rejection. Because I think she's very, she's right when she points out that what stops most of us from flirting is the fear of rejection. So she has some really helpful points about this. I read it on Kindle, so all of the, most of these were under, you could see when other people have underlined something. Oh, wow. Because they found it helpful. And I was (laughs) like, oh, these are all underlined. This has been really helpful for people. It's just really nice things like, when you allow your self-worth to be influenced by strangers, don't be surprised when it doesn't go the way you want. Using someone else as a means to help you feel good about yourself just reinforces your fear. It perpetuates a negative cycle in which you become more dependent on the positive affirmation of others, which in turn strengthens your fear of rejection. It's essentially don't make other people's opinions about yourself matter. Like if you go up to someone and however you flirt, if what is underlying is you saying, hi, please make me feel pretty. Mm -hmm. You're just like giving them a power and then you are dependent on them. And 
that's like a <laughs> not a good idea. Like I have friends who are dependent on dating apps because the boost of getting a notification that someone likes them is like they're almost dependent on that dopamine that comes from that. But then when that stops, <laughs> or when that runs out, or when that's no longer enough, you're kind of fucked. Yeah. So it's, she says in a bold statement, flirting is not frightening because it doesn't involve handing the other person responsibility for your emotional well-being. Whether they enter into the spirit of the flirt or not is up to them. And if they choose not to, it is not a reflection on you. It's the same with a smile. It's a chance to make someone feel good. And if they don't want to be made to feel good by us, we haven't been rejected because there's nothing to reject. Aw, Jean. I mean, it's one of those things where it's true, but hard to internalize if you are the kind of person who's afraid of rejection. I feel like I need to say up top, I don't think I've, I have not experienced a lot of rejection in this department. <laughs> this I entire like, podcast is such a mistake for my self-esteem. Like, I, I just, I'm going to do a lot of active listening, but I'm like, oh yeah. I feels like I'm like putting my, I'm like, this is like science fiction. I'm like, yes, I haven't had to take this risk in a very long time, which I think is, it's good. It's, I don't You're like that? Yeah, rejection must be really hard for, for the yucky people. <laughs> must be so hard being unattractive. Can't, can't possibly imagine <laughs> what it must be like. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't taken the risk of possible rejection in 12 years from, from in the, um, in the romantic way, you know? I've been in a nice relationship that I am too tired to think beyond for a long time. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a parent. I have little kids. I like my partner. You know what I mean? Like I did used to have be really successful at this. And I would I don't like imagining what it would be like if I were trying to date now. It's that sounds that's maybe what I should think about. Oh, I don't want to. No. It's some very nice inspirational quotes about rejection where I was like, yes, it's true. You know, she says you don't have to attract everyone. You just have to attract the right people. You know, if you just act like yourself, you will attract people who like you. There's some similarities between this and the and the previous episode we did about the courage to be disliked. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of I'm skipping through it a little bit also because it's a bit like, yeah. My feeling was like, yeah, but it's very easy to say, but it's harder to feel, you know, when you're in the moment. But then she shares the story of having worked with someone. She does a lot of private one-on-one coaching, flirting coaching. And she worked with someone who was very afraid of being rejected, but who then she was out in the, on the town, out on the town with this person. (laughs) Oh, wait, so she goes with you to go flirt? That's part of the coaching? So she goes out with you. She's like your wing person. Yes, yes. Whoa, she's that's so seemingly fun. very good at it. So she went out with a woman, and the woman went up to a man, flirted with him, and he rejected her. And then she comes back and is like excited. She's like, "I did it! I did it!" And she then says, "This was a crystallization of two points that I've seen repeatedly with my flirtology clients. The abstract fear of being rebuffed is much stronger than the reality of it. Oh, the feelings wow. of empowerment and freedom." that come from doing what we want to do override everything else. And I was like 13 years old. I was back at the post office in the mall near where I grew up, where everyone in my school, had to, well, everyone in my class, has to go and do work experience for a week. I got the post office, and the boy I had a massive crush on. Oh, he was amazing. He's so beautiful. He had the sports store. And then I decided to tell him that I was in love with him. I was so scared. I was so, I was so scared. So I walked through the mall, like a very tiny little local mall. And I walked to the, the, the sports shop and I went in and I said, is he, is he here? The, the kid who does work experience. And they were like, oh, he's in the warehouse bit. And they called him out. And I said, can I talk with you? And he was like, yes. And then we went out in the mall bit and sat on a bench. And I was like, I like you, like you. I'm into you. I have a crush on you. And I was just like, like my heart was beating. It was in my throat. Like I was, I've never felt more alive and scared and like, yeah, I'm going to say empowered by having done this, this very scary thing. And then I realized that while I had been so (laughs) engulfed in my own feelings, he had replied and I hadn't even heard it because I was so (laughs) like, wow, 
I did a big thing. I'm so brave. So I had to ask him to repeat himself. And he was like, oh, I like someone from another school. And I was like, oh. Classic. <laughs> okay. And then I was like, oh, cool. I was like, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> and then he, he went back into his shop. And then I went down to the other end of the mall where my friend was in the, the women's clothing shop. And I was like, I told him, I told him. I just, I can't believe I told him. And he was so handsome. And I, and he, oh, he's in love with someone else. It's fine. I love it. I loved it so much. I was so excited. I was so good. And I was like, oh yeah, that's what that is. To me, that's a po- exclusively a positive experience because I did it. I was so brave and I told him. That's so cool. I feel like that about like telling people things I'm scared to tell them. Like I feel like instant relief that I was like brave enough to do it. I'm just wondering if that like applies to other things. I don't know. I feel like that's really special to actually have that feeling and not just have it be an idea that that would be nice if that's how you could feel. Like that that's the actual reaction. I think it makes sense that it's like what you build it up to being. Yeah. It's so much worse than what it what it actually is once it's happened you're like you're in the moment your body will find a way to deal yeah with whatever is coming whatever rejection is coming like when when I was in a relationship where I realized that he'd been cheating a lot when it was really really difficult was when I was trying to ignore the signs and then when I found out and I found evidence I almost felt good yeah it was like oh thank god like now my worst fear has come true and now I can relax yeah. And I think, you can I think deal there's something with what's in, that. in front of you. You don't have to, all the yeah. imagined possibilities of how it could go. Even if it goes the worst way, there's only one, there's one thing to react to. Yeah. It's a, being afraid of the dark. It's like the, yeah. what you're imagining is so much worse than what's there. I had this with being a parent. When I had my first kid, I was like really not ready to be a parent. And we were both really scared and we had not gotten pregnant on purpose, but decided to. And that we were just terrified for the whole pregnancy of all of the things that we could be, ways we could be terrible parents. And then she was born and we could only be terrible parents the way that we were. And it was such a relief. And it was just been a relief ever since that like there's a real thing to respond to rather than how good our imaginations are of thinking of like 800 at the same time. Okay. All right. I like this. I like Jean. Okay. I like that too. I also like, she then has a big bit about how looks don't matter. When I started reading that, I was like, okay, it's easy for you to say Jean, (laughs) you gorgeous person. You know, she she was like, oh, attraction isn't about how you look. It's about energy and charm and confidence. And, And I was like, okay. But then she goes into... She's not telling you that no one else cares about how you look. She's saying you need to stop caring about how people look. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I really like that. There's a lot about age. It's a lot about like women thinking they need someone who's older than them and like men exclusively going for <laughs> late teens regardless <laughs> of how old they are. And she's trying to kind of make, which is why I'm like, oh, this, none of this applies to me. I really like the way she focuses on, hey, Flirting is about connection and how you fit together in chemistry. None of that other stuff matters. Yeah, I like that too. I am attracted to people that look some way, of course, like there is a thing. But I have ended up in relationships with people I didn't expect because it's really, it really is so much more important to me the way it feels to be with someone. I don't know. That stuff is really true. And yeah. I made a little folder on on my phone of all the people I've slept with. And when you see them all together, there's no similarities. Yeah. They look so different. Same. When has that ever mattered? Now, Abby, do you remember women's magazines and the quizzes in women's Mm -hmm. magazines? I sure do. I I think it is the best, yeah. Well, guess what? (laughs) There's a quiz in the book. What sort of flirt are you? Okay. So, question number one. And people at home, please play along. (gasps) You see someone at a party who you find attractive. Do you, one, get another drink and go back to your friends. Two, go over and introduce yourself with a warm handshake. Three, glance over a few times and hope they come over to you. Four, start with some eye contact and then sashay over with an inviting smile. Oh, can I make my own answer? <laughs> I think that would only make sense. Okay. I think that I would do some looks from across the room, some paying attention, some keeping my distance, 
And then I would find a way to, let's call it sashay. Let's call it, let's say I sashay and introduce myself. And I would think of something funny to say. Yeah, I would think of a way to talk to them and the group of people they were talking to. I would do that. Now I'm going to go on a tangent and just, well, which is not a tangent. What would you ask them? I would comment on something in the room. And then I so would. So not a question, a comment. Uh, I think I would start, I would think I would try to start by saying something funny because I think I'm good at that. I would like try it, you know, and then I would You'd be like, yeah. yeah, and then I would be like, who, who do you know here or something? Why am I at a party? Where's my family? <laughs> <laughs> Did you put my kids to bed tonight? I would say that. Thing. Hey, are you any good at bedtime stories? Do you want to be a step parent? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I probably would have thought by that point. I do think it's fine to talk about what people do. I generally don't lead with that question, like, what do you do? I would try to ask a smooth question that was about something that was happening. Like, oh, do you know somebody here? Oh, how did you meet? Is That's a thing I would do. How did you meet this person? Is that good? Is that a good answer? I Well, we will get to the question oh, bit of that. I want to be good at this. I want to be so good. <laughs> I want to be good uh, at it. You, you have not failed. You have not passed, according hmm. to flatology. Shit. Uh, okay. So, number two. The cute barista at yeah. the coffee shop gives you a compliment with your latte. Okay. Do you, A, pretend you don't hear, take your coffee and go? <laughs> no chance. Absolutely two, not. Give, give a smile and say, thank you very much. Three, look down, give an embarrassed <laughs> laugh and scurry off. No scurrying. <laughs> Absolutely no scurrying. There's a lot of scurrying and sashaying in this. Okay. Those are the choices. Oh, That's Those are the no. paths. With a lingering look, say, and I could say the same for you. Oh, not that. I Maybe if that was funny. I would say it would compliment them back or I would be like, oh, thanks. Yeah. That's so nice. I would probably, if I thought they were cute, I would probably try to continue the conversation somehow. No, I wouldn't. I, I, would, I would say thanks and I would go away. <laughs> <laughs> I took Hank out for a walk really, really, really early. It was so, I'd just woken up and he needed to go badly. So I took him out for a walk. My dog, by the way. I was, you know, when you just woke up, your brain isn't working. And the most handsome man I've ever seen him, like chiseled, like the kind of classical madman looking man in a suit said, oh, that's, oh, that's such a, that's such a handsome dog. And I said, says you. <laughs> oh. uh, it was horrible. He, he was so, he was so like, uh, uh, uh. That is so funny. Like, that is walked perfect. away like Hank move move Hank move perfect response oh, it's also <laughs> I was thinking you were gonna do the thing I always do in the airport where they're like have a nice flight and I'm like you too and they're <laughs> working as a security guard but I that is probably what I would do I think is like just like repeat it to them even if it didn't apply <laughs> you're, you're- your latte is also good yeah. to taste nice. Yeah. yeah, I think if I'd said that, if I had been conscious and awake, there's a way where that could have been good. Yes, yeah. Like, oh, it's funny. well, that means a lot coming from from you. Like it could have been like a nice ha 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 thing instead of a, like a half offended attack. <gasps> uh, uh, and that comes from you. <laughs> like what is happening? A lot of people comment on how I like laugh at my own jokes and I I'm doing the world a favor. It's like cueing. Like I'm really spelling things out for you. If you did that, if you said that exact thing and then you were like rolled your eyes in a dramatic and like laughed at your own joke, unless that guy was humorless, it is a funny thing to say, you know, like I would have connected with someone who said that more than if they were just like. Thanks. He's my pride and joy. Sure. I can, I can see a rom-com where yeah. someone says that and then goes, oh, oh, I yeah. don't know why I just said that. And he's like, oh, I found it adorable. I can be like, oh, oh it's just very early. Do you, are, you stay, are you staying nearby? You, yeah, I can see it <laughs> happening. That's just not reality. Reality is that I scurry away <laughs> after saying something in a really creepy, aggressive way. Now, so I'm going to say with this one, you went for two. You give a smile and say thank you very much. Yeah. You're number two. Upon entering a crowded bar, do you walk in? It's a bar. Uh (laughs) Two, have a swift glance around as you make your way to your friends. 
Three, spot your friends and put your head down until you reach your safety net. Four, walk in as if everyone's watching while scanning the room to see if anyone's watching you. I'm, I'm probably the last one. <laughs> You're looking out to see if anyone is watching you. I'm definitely looking as around. As if everyone's watching. I'm either glancing or I'm like glancing a little more embarrassingly. One of the two. I'm not looking with my head down. I'm definitely looking around the room. I can respect that. Don't understand it, but I can accept that. What would you... Can, are you going to answer these? I, first of all, I wouldn't enter a crowded bar. I'd go home <laughs> and say, I'm so sorry, diarrhea. But if my friends were sitting in there and they had like a table or a booth in, the, in a corner and there was room for me, I would just head down wow. straight through the crowd wow. and then just be like, can I please sit near the wall? But then how will you know if there's anybody in the bar better than your friends to talk to? <laughs> I just, knowing my friends, there definitely will be. I don't need to check. And I assume that those people have better things to do than talking to me. <laughs> so I will go to the corner, have my drink, and then spend way too much in an Uber home because uh, I don't like uh, crowded trains at night. <laughs> you see someone on your morning commute to work who is cute. So you're on some kind of public transportation. Kay. Do you... One, continue reading the paper so, so you appear too busy to notice. Two, give them your newspaper and say, I'm done with this. Would you like to read it? <laughs> Which I feel is a bit passive aggressive. It's like, you look dumb. Do you want to try and read this thing? Yeah. Three, peek up once or twice from your paper when you think they are not looking. Four, make eye contact several times once you notice they're reciprocating. Add an alluring smile. <sighs> This one I feel really, really married for. I'm like, I'm not doing this on trains. Uh, I don't know. I guess I would definitely look up at them. Yeah. Either just a peek or try to make eye contact. I would try to make eye contact. Sometimes I do that even if somebody's just like interesting looking on the train. Like I'm and then on if train. they look back, you would smile. Yeah. yeah I don't know how alluring it is. <laughs> you give a creepy, way too big smile. <laughs> Okay, so I think you are overall a four, which okay. would mean you are an assertive flirt. You are not shy and you don't miss much. That's wonderful. You go in all guns blazing, usually get what you want for the short term at least. Thanks. To anyone who's been, been following along at home, if you got mostly ones, you are a non-flirt, uh, which means you might be missing out on something, some incredible connections and good fun. If you got mostly twos, you're a friendly flirt. And you were also a little bit of a two. I think I'm a friendly say. flirt. Yeah, yeah. You're also a good start. It's nice to be nice. But do you always want to be the friend? You need mm. to add in some flirtiness to your encounters. Whew. Yeah. Or if you got mostly threes, you're a... You are the shy flirt. You're missing out on countless opportunities for both making friends and getting dates by being afraid. Mm. Fertility will show you how to get over your fear. Mm. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like that is, you're an assertive, yeah, I, friendly flirt? Maybe. I feel like assertive or, I'm, a, I'm an assertive friend and a friendly flirt, I think. What about um, you? What did you get? I'm assuming I'm, an, I'm a non-flirt. No, I don't, okay. I think maybe, friend, I've probably close, close to friendly. I, I mean, I, I went to the theater two days ago and we had like a leftover like program and I handed it to someone I really like to look off and just said, hey, would you like this program? We got one for free. And he's like, thank you. That's not You're... something I wouldn't do. Yeah. I'm nice when people, I'm not like, oh, oh no, oh no, don't speak to me, you know. <laughs> like I can talk to people politely. I just can't add that like, wow. I think you're very funny. I think you, you're funny upon first meeting someone. I have seen you meet people. The way we met was like we were already like talking to each other. And, you've, and you've seen me meet you. Have you seen me? I've seen you meet me. But like I've seen you meet a lot of people in a way where I would say I think it could be classed as flirtatious. You're sharp when? and funny. Ooh. Like at backstages of shows, like the way that you talk to people who already know you're funny and who know who you are, you're funny mm. and you're nice and you're warm and you are inclusive. And I, I don't know, but that maybe that's different because you're at a place generally where they came to see you be funny. They know that about you. They're expecting that from you. It's, it was interesting to me to hear you say that you don't know how to flirt because I know you as a person. Interesting. Have, do you, have you ever watched The American The Office? Yeah, not all this of it, maybe. There's a scene where Michael, the weird, awkward boss, yeah. 
is on a date with someone and he's just he's really good and charming and funny and then they say to him oh is this date is going really well and he's like what I'm on a date <laughs> and they're like yeah didn't you know and he was like what and then he goes out and he puts on this he calls himself date Mike he puts on a, a, a cab the other way around he's like I'm date Mike and he fucks it all up that's me I think okay if you were like oh yeah you're flirting I'm like I'm what and then I'll be like hello handsome person may I touch your shoulder in a, in a, in a hot way and it gets weird I think okay. that's that sums I'm date Mike <laughs> I'm number okay. five. You are Dave Mike. <laughs> she goes into a lot about excuses, which I think we've already talked about in, in The Courage to be Disliked, which I think will come back again and again and again in a lot of these self-help books. This idea of, are you just making excuses? And I think sometimes yes, sometimes no. Yeah. I think that you could sum up most of our replies to most of the books by saying it's nuanced and complex <laughs> um, but that would be an incredibly short podcast so you're talking about external excuses and internal excuses like everyone else is the problem or i am the problem she says quite helpful things about like noticing who's around you she tells a story about a woman who kept saying i'm too old to find someone i'm too like no one wants someone who's old and who looks like me because i'm so old then she went do you actually believe that and the woman was like, oh, no. <laughs> and it turns out this woman is just surrounded by people who keep talking about how age is this huge problem when it comes to meeting someone. But she was like, actually, I think I'm really hot and I think I'm only getting hotter with age. Yeah, I don't believe that that's the thing. It's about like looking at your environment. Who, like, what are people saying around you? It's this thing of like, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy if you keep going. I'll never meet someone. I'll never meet someone. I never, you know, no one will like me. No one will like me. She was talking specifically to men. Being like, you know, when you're like, oh, I'm going to talk to this woman. She's going to shoot me down. So, so on the way up to this woman, they end up hating themselves so much that they are just like, hey, do, do, do you want a drink? Do you want a drink? <laughs> and then when she doesn't hear them, he's like, oh, told you so. She uh, hates me. <laughs> Go back to your table. I can see that. And then also sometimes there are actual <laughs> things that aren't excuses, but there are reasons. Do you know what I mean? I mean... You're just like... Why would anyone think that no one would like them? <laughs> it is like a big feature of my personality. I feel like I, I have to represent people who are like, yeah, I'm scared of people not liking me. <laughs> she talks about mental models, which is what you say to yourself, like the things you tell yourself about yourself and what happens around you. And I want to just make a quote from this. Mental models are the lenses through which you view situations. She says, I was first introduced to the concept of mental models by Shrikuma Rao, a speaker, author, and former business school professor. This concept has played a very important part in my teachings, and I would like to thank him profusely. The concept goes like this. As individuals, we all have mental models about many sorts of different things. Our attitudes towards our siblings, our feelings about ourselves, and even in the way in which we view the world. Is it a good place or a scary place? Out of all the information floating through our consciousness, we pick and choose the small amount of material that fits with our models and disregard the other 98%. This so-called evidence strengthens our models and reinforces them as our reality. We've talked about this before, right? It's the idea of if you keep telling yourself that nothing is it's, it's, it's the bordering on like the secret, right? Where it's yeah, like, oh, yeah, I can yeah. make anything happen by thinking happy thoughts. And I think the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. This kind of thinking, this kind of talking has been like drilled into me since I was a little wee child and my mom was reading these books and I was thinking I would never read them. We talked about this a little bit before, but my mom paid me 20 bucks a book for reading like self-help books and things and listening to audiobooks, things that would say exactly like this, the secret kind of stuff and like if you, what you pay attention to grows and that kind of stuff. To the point where it is so deeply within me that I'm like, yeah, obviously, obviously. And there are other realities and you sound stupid when you say it. <laughs> like, you, <laughs> yeah, obviously what you pay attention to grows in your life and shut up. Don't say that in front of other people. You fucking you sound like a moron. <laughs> like that. But do you have a, so does that mean that you, do you always look on the bright side first or oh do you does that just mean you're constantly battling it whenever it becomes a negative thought i have 
negative thoughts. <laughs> I, I, Thank I've God. Had, I've Thank had a negative God. thought. <laughs> I've had one or two. So I, yeah, relieved. I, I well, I think it's like a a question of like whatever. I have like a optimistic general sort of whatever, but I do also when I get into a slump or when I'm looking at things like when things feel really bad at some point, and this is like a process. One thing that helps me is that I write morning pages, which is a thing from the artist's way, which we'll do at some point. Was I like blah 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 for three pages, and at some point I do get tired of my complaints in a way where I I do force myself to reassess them and like what is true, what is not true, what if I swapped this, and it for me it's not don't have a bad feeling. It's more like have the bad feeling hard and then be like, okay, did that work? <laughs> and sometimes it does, and then sometimes. You have to be like, okay, actually look at the other thing and the mental model or whatever, I guess, that she's talking about is the actual way forward if you're looking for a way forward, which isn't always the answer, I think, is the thing, right? So, like, you don't always need to make progress in, at all times in every situation, mm-hmm. I think. But if you want to and you want a way to do it, you can't just look at what's wrong. Is that? Uh, yeah. I Well, I think— so much of it is about what we don't know. And that's sort of where it comes in, right? When I was first speaking to Miranda Kane, my friend who runs these plus size events called Club Indulge, mm. she was, I was saying to her, like, if I go up to someone, what if it goes really, really wrong? Mm-hmm. And she'd go, but what if it goes really well? And I was like, yeah. the thing is, neither of us know what will happen, but she's excited and happy and thinks it might as well go really well. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, no, it might go really badly. And it doesn't affect the outcome. Yeah. You, so I, I'm like, I might as well think, yeah, but what if it goes really well? Because yeah. we can both then continue our lives and never go up to this person. Yeah. But she's going to go around happy and excited thinking that probably would have gone really well. And I'm going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe this person probably hates me. Oh, yeah. oh, he would have said the worst, you know. And I'm often thinking, like, what is the point? If I walk around my entire life being like, I'm going to get struck by lightning. I'm going to get struck by lightning. Oh, it's going to be so bad when I get struck by... And if I am struck by lightning, by the way... Yeah, didn't help. It's going to be the same outcome. Yeah, I'm not going to... Yeah. Oh, thank God I've prepared for that for six <laughs> years by thinking it was going to happen. <laughs> Maria Bamford has a book called... It's an audio book only, I think. And it's called You're, You're a Comedy Special. I think that's what it's called. And it's like <laughs> in two hours or something, or three hours of her telling you how to write a comedy special. And it's very fun and good. And uh, ooh, ooh, Hank loved it. And, um, loves and in it, she says what she does is because she's, I think she tends toward catastrophic thinking, is that she allows herself to do that. She allows herself to think of like, the worst possible way things could go. Every detail really gets it like, wow. And then she forces herself to think of the very best way it could possibly go, whatever it is, a show, uh, going up to someone and flirting, like the best way you go up, you lock eyes, everything is amazing. The music changes behind you and you float off into next year when you're married. And then Maria Bamford says, it's probably going to go between those two ways. But now look, you thought of everything. (laughs) And that's like what she does. And then she moves forward. And I find that helpful. I do tend to imagine the very best way things could go, which is, you know, disappointing than when it doesn't sometimes. But um, it has been helpful to me to also allow myself to indulge in every detail of what I'm actually afraid of because... The same way, like as in the beginning, when it's like an unformed blob of what I could be afraid of, it is less fear, like it's less scary than if I know what I'm really scared of is like being embarrassed tomorrow is the actual end of the thing. And like, okay, I could recover probably from that. Probably. It's the probably that makes a difference. (laughs) This is one of the bits in the relationship bit that I thought this is really useful. Not for the reason, not for her reasons. So... The topic is deal breakers. So for her, it's a lot about when you go out, you try to find a partner. There are certain what we think are deal breakers, like he should be taller than me or he should have a good job. It's actually just something that that keeps you from meeting the people who are good people. Mm. Um, He keeps talking about the example of her husband being shorter than her. And if she had seen like on paper, she would have dismissed him. But actually, they have an amazing relationship. 
where I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. That bit is not what I find interesting to me. But thinking about my deal breakers in terms of people, like potential partners, but also just people in my life. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I think that's really useful to know that about yourself. Just be like, what am I actually, what do I actually value? And what is like things I just do not want in my life? So I was wondering, Abby, if you have any deal breakers, either for like if you had them before you met your partner or Mm -hmm. if you have them for friends or like if you would have them now, if you were to find another partner or. Um, well, when I was younger, because I'm, I'm six feet tall, I, and I was very much like told that I should only be with men taller than me. Like that was like a running joke, like, oh, well, well, you're not, that's not going to happen in our family. Like our whole family talked about it. So that was a thing that I thought I really wanted in a partner was taller than me. And then I dated men that weren't taller than me. And realized that wasn't a deal breaker for me, but that's how I had to do it. And then I ended up with one that's taller than me and the whole world laughed. And, <laughs> but, uh, I think like in jet, like in actual, like real relationships now as an adult, like I think honesty is if I can believe someone. And even if I know, like I have one friend who I'm very close to who isn't always like completely honest, but I know her well enough to know when that is and we can talk about that and I then can also be honest with her in a different way about when I'm not being like that's Mm. okay there are some it doesn't mean you have to tell me everything all the way and I do actually respect and am drawn to friendships where people do decide you not take care of you by maybe not telling you everything like have a mindfulness about what will be helpful for you to hear and not hear, that's fine. I don't need to like every detail of everything. But I do, I want to not have to worry about whether someone is telling me the truth or not. <laughs> if it, if that comes into a relationship, if it comes into I have to think on another layer about whether this is really happening or not, then I'm not, it's too exhausting a relationship for me. It's okay if there are like mishaps, especially if we are honest about that later, but I really don't want to have to be doing extra thinking about what's true and what's not true. Also, if you're I not funny, I, I really am exhausted by relationships with people who are want to be serious all the time. I really like to be serious. I really want to be able to laugh in the middle of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a section later about humor oh, as well. I think mine have changed a lot. I think I'm still like, it means a lot that they are on my side of history in terms of political views. So <laughs> backing down on that. I hate stinginess with money. Mm. If it was a partner, I they can't want to have kids because I'm mm. not having kids. So that's just like why I go into that. Kindness. It has to be good. Mm. Like yeah. a, I was once in love with someone who showed up at my house with like a what do you call it? like a black eye like having yeah. you know like they've been punched in the face and I was like oh no what happened <laughs> and he was like well I was at a pub and I saw this guy he was about to punch another guy so I stopped him and I was <gasps> like what with your face and he was like yeah so he just put his head into the place where this other guy's head was so that he would punch him instead of the the other guy two strangers and I was like <gasps> I will love you forever. Like, that yeah. is so, that is just like a, your instinct was to take the punch for someone else. Didn't even cross his mind to not do it. Yeah. Or to like use his hands or whatever. Like, it was just, oh, I'll take the punch with my face. I thought that was so beautiful. I think kindness means a lot. I really feel like that too. I feel stupid for not saying it. Great. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Kind, that's the opposite of a deal breaker. Oh, that's I didn't a deal have maker. on my list. And I was God. like, oh, yeah, me too. Me too with the honesty as well. But that, I'm also there's... not mentioning the three other things that I was going to say that doesn't sound good against honesty. Oh, <laughs> please say them. Please say them. I was going to say, like, they need to be in therapy. But then I, weirdly, I thought oh. of you and I was like, well, I wouldn't require you to be in therapy because you would know when you would need therapy that's nice and then you would do it i think yeah i would i was like oh that doesn't really count i have a weird thing with drugs i don't judge people who do drugs okay i just don't i can't when people like yeah i took mushrooms last weekend or like oh oh i I smoke weed i'm just like there's nothing about this i don't even in movies when they do drugs i'm like oh this is so boring it's so boring i think drugs are so boring okay is that a deal breaker Mm. I met the was, love of my life and they like to, yeah, I think it is. 
Okay. Maybe. I don't know why. I just think it's really boring. It's so boring. Oh, yeah, I do some Coke sometimes. Okay. I mean, maybe just try okay. mushrooms once, Sophie. Like, m- one time, just try mushrooms, and then and then, and then we can talk <laughs> about like... whether it's boring or not. One okay, time. One time mushrooms, and the rest of you can think are okay. boring. Okay. Well, I what happily have... try all of the drugs once. I tried one Coke once. One Coke. Um, <laughs> one Coke. That's a soda. Everyone. <laughs> No, one, like, sniff. Oh, it cleared my... I have issues with my nostrils. I have a deviated septum. It was so good. Oh, wow. It cleared my nostrils for, like, a week. I was so happy. It didn't feel anything else, but... This is a good clip. This is a good clip for (laughs) social media. The face that that made me make, I really want the world to see. What was the third thing? There was a third thing, and then... Go ahead. I really want to hear it, though. You said... No, that was it. There weren't okay. three things. There's nothing. Liar. And I have you're to be a liar. skinny. You're not. <laughs> that would be funny, be wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be funny? The pole. I'm just going to like list some of the really good pieces of advice and some not so good advice, I think. Or some, eh, doesn't really count advice. And for this okay. one, I just want to say, Abby, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Imagine yeah. an encounter with an attractive stranger. What do you see? Like, where are you? The circumstances. Where, you're in a room. There's an attractive stranger. Where are they? How are they positioned? Ugh. Are they sitting or standing? Oh, they're at a piano. <laughs> <laughs> so they're sitting. And where is the piano? Like, in the room? In the center? It's, you know, I can see the side of their body. Okay, but the piano is in the center of the room. Um, no, I guess on, the, on an edge. But, like, they're not in the corner. Like, it's, a, it's near a wall. Okay, well, the advice is, if you want to attract someone, never sit down and do not stand in a corner. <laughs> because when, when you close your eyes and imagine an encounter with an attractive stranger, they will always be standing in the middle of a room. Oh, so, are you sure they're not sitting at a piano at the side of a room? Honestly, <laughs> I, I struggled with this piece of advice um, when I was a... <laughs> when I was a teenager, I would, and me and my boyfriend, we would throw house parties. I would go to the kitchen, and I would just be doing the dishes. And then one one on one, people would come to the kitchen when like the rest of the party was too oh, loud I love and boring. That. And then we would have a lovely, quiet conversation. Yeah. And they'd go back to the party. Then a new person would come out. Mm-hmm. And when I imagine an attractive stranger, they're in the kitchen doing the dishes, <laughs> far away from the party. That I can't. is. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. It sounds a bit like, I need a woman who's in the kitchen. (laughs) No, it is hot, though. I do think it's hot to watch people do the dishes. Also, when people know what to do in a kitchen, I do, because I don't. I really, like, freeze up. I have a pan. Like, I don't know what to do. When someone cooks without a recipe. like Yeah, I like that both of ours are, like, talented, active. Mm -hmm. Like, mine is at a piano. Yours is at the sink. You know what makes someone attractive is know is doing stuff, is knowing how to do stuff. Yeah. And then I also know now that if I'm trying to attract someone, I'm going to sit at the piano. <laughs> Can you play piano? Otherwise, it might be. No, I can't. But um, I'm not sure that was what was, ha- you know, that what part wasn't happening. It no, was. You, you were just imagining someone looking at a piano going, whoa, what's this? Whoa, those ones are black and those ones are white. Whoa. Oh, my God. I'm not here to judge what people are attracted to. There's one good advice. Get to places early. It gives you a chance to talk to other early birds in a relaxed atmosphere. I think for someone with social anxiety, I think that's such a good advice. Okay. I really like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. No, yeah, that is nice. And then the people trickle in and you have, like, the frog boiling in water effect. Like, you don't feel the... Exactly. Then there's, of course, open body language, not closed body language. Yeah. She says at one point, sometimes it's just about eye contact and a smile. And I really like that because that's so, it's like simplifying yeah. it, right? It's just like, hey, stop overthinking it. Sometimes just look at someone and smile. Yeah. I think I the like body that. language stuff is really <laughs> overwhelming, actually. Hi. What do you mean? I think that, because I think in general, I am kind of an arm crosser. I don't think mm. I look mean when I do it. But now that I do stand up, when I look out and I can see I know that it's mean to cross your arms because it's mean to see someone with crossed arms even if they look nice it feels mean so now I know it's mean but I had to really learn that way because I feel like yeah 
It's kind of cozy. I think there's a lot about it that feels a bit pseudo psychology. You know, the thing of like if their feet are pointed towards you, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're attracted. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I believe it. Yeah. There's pro- it's probably like worth noticing if you're trying to figure out. Well, we get to that later with the hut ape theory. Can't um, wait. <laughs> don't. Yeah. Uh, we had a whole thing about questions, which is just like. She's always suggests like open with a question and okay. not a yes or no question, an open-ended question. Yeah. And specifically, good idea to ask about something nearby. So that was exactly what you said. Shit, yeah. um, Or something they like. Mm-hmm. So she took a man to a department store to try and chat up women. And he didn't have much luck until they came to the chocolate section. And he asked them, what's your favorite chocolate? And these women were like, holy shit. <sighs> these ones and like just like lit up and like pulled him around the store showing all their favorite chocolates so the point of that story is people get really excited if you make them feel good and people feel good when they talk about things they like and then if you're the reason that they then feel good because you asked them about it that's probably yeah. a good thing it's also really fun and easy to be truthfully engaged when you're listening to someone talk about something they like you don't have to yeah. fake it like it's like it is catching when someone's yeah. it's a good move because it makes you a good listener because they're in, more engaging and then you don't have to like lie or pretend yes which is actually the next point we tend to because we're so nervous about the flirting we tend to focus on ourselves and how we're doing and how they're feeling about us mm-hmm. where if you actually just get over yourself a bit and actually focus on what they're saying and who they are yeah that's a lot more calming because it's not about you anymore there's a grandma thing in the courage to be disliked that's like a grandma's like to the grandson, nobody cares about what you look like but you, and that changes his whole life. But it is, like, that's the thing, is right? It's like you're the one thinking about how you look, and if you just stop it and think about how they look instead, then yeah, you're both— Yeah, it's less. Like, yeah, it's better. I wrote it on my notebook at school. You wouldn't care so much about what other people think if you knew how seldom they did. Oof. It's like, ugh. If only I knew. Oh, it was really helpful to me. <laughs> uh, say we and us a lot. Hey, we should get a drink. Oh, oh isn't it funny how we have the same sense of humor? Hey, people like us, we're always at this. Bu- 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 oh my god! This yeah, that, good. that's that smells a bit of manipulation, but I yeah. like it. Compared yeah. to, do you want to get a drink? It's just the pressure is yes, off. <gasps> yeah, we should get a drink. Look at we us. We should get a drink. Do you want to? We should. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh! We should Let's get a drink pee. sometime. It's we so much better than like. Do Look you at us chatting. Get... What? Do you know what actually in Danish is a funny language construction? I live in Denmark. Sophie's Danish and lives in the UK. But there's something that really bugged me about Danish language that when you're asking someone to do something, particularly when you're kids, the like the linguistic construction is: Should we not do this? Scooby yeah. lie. Even for kids, shouldn't we play, do you think, is the way that they ask it. It's yeah. so, like, assuming you're going to say no, I feel like. And I think that this is kind of the counter yeah. to that. It's like, shouldn't we? Do you think we should? We should. We shouldn't. Yeah. Should we? It's a more open, <sighs> active way of saying things. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. I like it. I like that. A date is about representing your authentic self, not a make-believe person of what you imagine the other person might prefer. Quite like that. As someone Wait, has a date is a about being of, your authentic self. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's like instead of like, what are you nervous about? Show up as yourself. That is the point of it. The point is for you to show up as yourself. It's not about. She also talks about how like when we think about flirting, we think about okay, I need to dress up, I need to wear makeup, I need to do my hair, I need to this and this and that, so I can go out and flirt. Yeah. But actually, the whole point is that you are yourself, and if they like you, you could be wearing your pajamas and like looking like shit. Yeah. You'd be like, hey, what's up? What, what, hey, what's up? <laughs> are you, like, they, that's what are like. you literally doing an impression of me right now? <laughs> I'm flirting. Hey, hey, what's yeah. up? Hey, what's <laughs> up? Uh, yeah. One of the main things is flirting should be fun. One of my New Year's resolutions is I wrote down on a piece of paper, fun over perfect. Oh, fun yeah. over perfect. Instead of focusing so much about doing good things and making things perfect, I need to try and focus on having fun doing it. So this really stuck with me. It's like instead of being like flirting, oh, I don't know how to do it. It's so hard. <laughs> being like, what if it was something that was really fun? I quite like that. Yeah. Abby, what did you do last weekend? Oh, it was New Year's. Uh, we did fireworks. Who's we? we? 
I did it with my partner and Ding. my. Okay, this is okay. a perfect example oh. of how to see if they are single. So smart. So you ask, what did you do last weekend? Because not only does it allow them the opportunity to talk about what they feel interested in, but making it specific, it's harder for them to make things up on the spot. And you can tell by the language, we, or the activities, as for example, went to my child piano's recital, whether this person is single or partnered. You can, can in I... a casual way, bring to the surface any hidden partners. That is a very good idea. I actually thought my initial response to you asking that question, though, was like, this is a bad question because it's too specific and in the past. Because I was like, I don't remember last weekend. I always feel like that when people, uh. And so I was like, would this work if you said, like, what are you doing this weekend? No, because then it sounds like a date. Okay, you have to do it this way. Yeah, it's about interest. Hey, what did you do last yeah. What are you up to? What did you do last weekend? They, yeah, and then they're like, okay. my wife. And you're like, ah, oh, fuck off. And then you just yeah, head, head the other direction. Got it. Um, okay. I want to, before we go to Hut Ape, which is like one of the gist of this, Jean has a very good, ex- I love this so much. There's a little segment that's just, hey, what if your ideal partner is already in your life? And I just love it. She's oh. like, maybe you've, because of all these restrictions you've set in place for yourself, you haven't looked around. Maybe your best friend is the one. I love it so much. I just love the idea of being like, oh, hey, you. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't we? I, I like the idea of that. Me Hot too. Ape. That's really nice. Hot Ape stands for humor, open body language, touch, attention, proximity, and eye contact. It is a way to either use these things to show you're interested or figuring out if they are interested in you. Humor is about, do they share your humor? So when you said someone who's like funny or someone who isn't serious, someone who is serious will still have a shared humor with someone else, (laughs) not us. But they will have their own humor. You know, like there are people who love puns and they'll probably be really good together because they have a shared humor. I like puns, I would... Sophie. I like puns. Okay. Well, <laughs> we are, we're more like nuts ape <laughs> instead of the odd ape. Open body language. We've talked about open body language. We've talked about that. Like, are they open towards you? Are they closed off? Are they turning away from you? Touch. There's a little thing of like you can just gently touch their shoulder if they pull away. Probably don't like you. If they Mm. lean into it, they might like you. Attention. Do they pay more attention to you than others? If they're telling a story in a group, are they constantly looking in your direction? Uh, Proximity. In the beginning, were they in the other end of the room? Now they're suddenly closer. Mm -hmm, Are mm -hmm. they moving towards you? Are they moving away? And then eye eye contact. Should be self-explanatory. Of course, like when I spoke to Jean, I was like, someone who's like neurodiverse and like a bit awkward, I can be very attracted to someone and very into them and do the opposite of all of these, just Mm. out of awkwardness and like feeling. And she was very good. She was like, yeah, (laughs) it's not like necessarily for everyone. I was like, yeah, but it's still like, I think there's still just like, I can imagine myself touching someone's elbow and seeing how they react to that. There's then a whole thing about the internet, which I just think we should save to when we talk about the internet. Oh, I love um, to talk about the but internet. But the gist of it is that Jean really hates the internet. <laughs> and it's kind of funny. She does a whole, she talks about it in the beginning, and at the end she's like, and then a man came up to me after one of my things and said, I think you're wrong about the internet. And I was reading that thinking, oh, Oh, I like that. Then the whole book will end with her like realizing that actually the internet can be good. But then she spends a couple of pages telling us why he was wrong. Because the internet really sucks. Um, <laughs> and it's not that she's basically saying like you can't make any connect. You can't really make connections on the internet because hut ape doesn't work on the internet. Touch, eye contact, all of those things. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, OK, I'm going to make you read this. Abby. The internet is for getting you in the same room with someone you can hot ape. Yeah. You know, like that's what the the goal of the internet is, is to put you in a position where you can check out all those things in person. And that's really helpful, actually, because I think that confuses people sometimes. This is what I've heard from these internet <laughs> daters. They're like, well, our banter was so good. We were flirting on. And then you ha- but you have to then do this other thing. And this just like, you know, it narrows you down. Yes. And I also think she's right about one. She's like, well, if I'd seen my husband on 
this dating app, I could see he was short, so I would have swept away, and he's, like, the most wonderful person. Mm. So it's something about, like, this tick box system will make you eliminate people who might be great. Okay. So that's a good point. Yeah. That's a great point. She also yeah. has another very good point where she says, if I introduce two friends in real life and one ghosts the other, I can yeah. assure you that they will have me to answer to yeah. for their behavior. Yeah. So if you're set up on a date with your mother's friend's son or daughter, you had better believe that socially acceptable behavior heightened by the telling off from one's mother will affect the behavior of both parties. That I also agree with. There's something about accountability. But I mean, everyone should just be nice. But still, I think she does have some points. And I, it's not that I'm like super into dating apps, but I always want to defend the Internet just because some of us who grew up on the Internet where the real world wasn't where we found our connections. Mm-hmm. Like there, there is another it might not be hot ape, but there are other <laughs> there, there are other things than touch. Right. So that could be sliding into someone's DMs. You know, it's not eye contact, but it could be someone saying, hey, should we switch to WhatsApp? You know, oh. and you can do voice notes now and videos and stuff, which makes it a lot easier than texting as well. So I think I think it's absolutely fine for Jean to not love the Internet, which he really doesn't. But I do think there's a world for it. It might just be like a different book. I really want to hear the acronym you come up for that stuff. I'll make one for the next next time. Okay. I want to give you the, before we end this, the big thing I have taken from this that really changed how I think about flirting, period, is you shouldn't be thinking, how can I make this person think I'm attractive? But rather, how can I make this person feel special? It's about looking at flirting as a gift you give someone and when you give someone a gift, you don't expect anything back. It's that there's no strings attached. It is, I like this person. They are attractive, handsome, interesting, whatever. And I want them to feel really good because I like them. Mm. So I'm going to tell this person, hey, you look amazing today. You have pretty eyes. You're incredible. I would love to hear your opinion on this onion I have in my hand at the supermarket. <laughs> I, whatever. Because I want them to feel that someone likes them. Yeah. And then they can do whatever they want. But if then then they go, ew, no. I'm like, okay, well, that seems like an annoying person. <laughs> but I haven't lost anything because it's not about me. And that really flipped everything I thought about flirting in my head. I love that. You were already there. I like that. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Before we end, I would like to play for you a clip of the chat I had with Jean which started as an interview and became more of a personal coaching situation. Wow, cool. She gave me challenges. She told me to stop wearing headphones in public and to start uh, asking one question to a stranger every day. This is sort of around the chat we had. That's it. Find a human, ask a human a question and see what happens. Okay, so I don't wear headphones for two weeks and I ask two questions a day to strangers. Yes. I say, have you tried tomatoes? Yes. (laughs) Interesting. What is your opinion on them? Yeah. And then the security guy escorts me out of Tesco. <laughs> yeah. And you don't even have to say, what's your opinion? You can just say, have you tried this before? Done. And they're like, it's an onion. Yes, I have. <laughs> Who hasn't tried onions? Don't write the script for the other person. I always say that to people. It's like, you don't know. You know, let the, let the other person do their part. You do your part. I think if I was to flirt, I'd have to take on the personality of someone who would be flirty. So I don't think I don't have, I have a personality that likes being alone, that likes headphones, that likes not speaking to people. So if I was to stand in St. Therese and say, do you like this onion? I would be pretending to be someone else. And at some point they would realize that that's not who I am. Uh So is there a way, if you are a weird person, an awkward person, someone who wouldn't, who doesn't feel like they could do small talk, can you can you f- adjust your way of flirting to your personality? Does that make sense? It does. But Sophie, I think I need to remind you there's another part of your personality who actually gets on stage in public in front of hundreds of people and makes them laugh. You're trying to convince me you're just this weird person who stays at home and put headphones on? I mean, come on, Sophie, I've seen you live. But that's one way. I can be on stage because that's one way. They don't talk back to me. There are many parts of your personality. Just because you ask me if I like onions, it doesn't mean I'm like, oh, she's really extroverted and normal. I think I would send a vibe. If someone said, have you ever tried onions? I'd be like, what? You're either a serial killer or you want to marry me and I don't know what's worse. I wonder if there's a part of my personality that I am ashamed of or that I haven't explored yet. 
you're just forgetting about this part of who you are. You're hilarious. You're warm. You're open. You're easy to talk to. So I think you should really think about why you're like being so rigid with your with your different personalities. I hate that you're so right. It really annoys me. I really wish you were like, I, I wish you were really vapid and kind of stupid and you're just not. And that's annoying. Sorry. <laughs> That was so helpful. And she, I was completely right. She's so great. She's so good. I love the part where she said, don't write the script for the other person. Because that is what what gets you to stop talking to people, is guessing what they're going to say and how stupid they're going to think you are. That's so smart. It also made me reflect a lot on what I am like as a therapy client. Just me arguing and trying to make jokes and saying, I wish I wish you were stupid, <laughs> like really aggressive. But she's so cool and she's so kind and helpful. And, and also, I think it's a good example of what she does. Like throughout, throughout that whole interview, I felt so seen and listened to. And like, I felt like she super cared. She kept saying my name a lot. Uh, and I was yeah. like, as we were talking, in the back of my head, I was like, she is so good at making people feel really good. Yeah. Like I felt like she wanted to be my friend forever. If you can be that as a person in a natural, authentic way, I think yeah. flirting will come easy to you. If you if you just make someone else feel really good, that's the job, isn't it? Yeah. When I was listening to her, I was like, I want to flirt with her. Yeah. 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 <laughs> She's the person to flirt with. So that was Flirtology, which I recommend. I recommend it. I think it was fun. And uh, I will also say with all these books that we are doing, It might be fairly easy to boil down a lot of these self-help books to just like a few good points or whatever. But I do think there is a point in reading the entire book because there is something, even though a lot of these books are repetitive, I think that is the point of them. Yeah. That there's something helpful about listening to, if it's an audiobook or reading, someone repeating the same thing to you over and over again, because that it's like the experience of that is also what makes it good. I really agree. I think, too, I think it's like only read it if what we talk about in the thing sounds like something you want to have repeated to you again and again. But the repetitive part is really useful. Like I was talking to somebody about how Julia Cameron keeps coming out with new books that keep saying the same thing. And I'm like, that's fine. That's what I want her to keep saying. I will keep listening to her say this. If she starts saying something else, I don't want to hear it. (laughs) I want to (laughs) hear I want to hear the elevator music of self-help from the jazz stations I have tuned to. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I want to hear it in different examples. I want to hear about yeah. all of the clients experiencing exactly the same thing. Yes. How they're all reacting to it. I and think then that you find like one little thing that clicks and sticks in your head, even though you've mm-hmm. heard it a billion ways a different time. And then that becomes a thing that's helpful to you specifically. I love that. Yes. Helpful. Since at the time of this recording, we haven't actually released any episodes yet, we don't have any of your dilemmas to solve yet, boo. But when you listen to this, you can email us at hello at helpole.com and we can answer your questions in future episodes. Note that we are not professional therapists, but all that means is that we're not bound by a code of ethics. So it's going to be so much easier and more fun to give advice. Thank you so much for listening to our second ever episode. Don't forget to sign up for Patreon where you can get bonus episodes and our monthly newsletter. And you can join a community of uh, help help holders. (laughs) That's what we're calling them? Help hole. Help holes. No. Help horse. Help horse. Help horses. No, we're working. We're working on it. Our listeners, uh, you can sign up on patreon.com forward slash helphole for as little as three pounds a month. And please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. Rate us on whatever platform you use. Tell your friends about us, please. We cannot yet afford billboards. So you are our only hope. Uh, thank you to our wonderful producer, Amanda Redman, and to Nikki Elson for the jingle. We're on Instagram at Help Whole Pod. Yay! See you out there. Bye. Bye. See you out there. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Good flirt. Help Whole.